Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Man, I don't think there's any better message that we could start out with today than just that. Man, this is an opportunity amidst this craziness that's going on that Christ can be magnified in our life if we just remember that He is the one thing right now that seems to be stable. I think this virus has taught us anything. I think it's taught me anything. It's just how fragile life really is. Man, you look at our economy, you look at business, you look at probably your own personal finances, other things going on in life. Things are so fragile. But I have been reminded that every time I turn around, it seems like while everything else is shutting down, man, the gospel is just stepping forward. It's almost like the gospel has had a comeback. Churches have had a comeback. We've seen more baptisms in the last four or five weeks than we've seen in many weeks before that. We've seen more people connecting with small groups, even though they're online. We've seen a ton of people that are connecting with our church online, attending our services, and you're one of those. I don't know if you're near. I don't know if you're far away, but we're so glad that you're here a part of our family. And I I would say this, in the uncertainty of what's going on right now, I think we just need to be reminded that the one thing we can be certain of is the foundation we have in Jesus Christ. And if you have never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, if you've never been baptized, man, I would encourage you to make that decision today. There's just a little button on our website that says, my decision. I'd encourage you to jump in, push that button and say, man, I, I wanna accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be baptized. I want to talk to a pastor. I want to talk about my comeback story. If you're on Facebook Live, just look in the comments there. There's an opportunity for you to make that decision today. And here's what I hope. Man, I hope some of you will. And I hope we'll see more baptisms, more connection with Christ. I hope we'll see that when things open up, I don't know when that's going to be. It's very uncertain still. There's some things opening up right now. But who knows when we're going to be able to gather again. But when we can, when it's safe to do so, I hope you'll flood back into those places this place for those of you who are close and for those of you who are far away, we're gonna keep doing this online so you can keep connecting with us. Man, do not forget, we're gonna make it through this and it's those of us who placed our faith in Jesus Christ that can know that we have life in him no matter what life brings to us. And we're in the second week of our new series called Comeback. Last week, Matt Cody jumped in, our campus pastor at our Frederick campus, did a phenomenal job talking about Joseph's story. We're just looking at the great comeback stories of Scripture. He talked about this idea. In Joseph's story, God seemed to be absent. Like for you, it may be that God seems to be absent right now. But here's the thing. God's absence or God's silence does not equal his absence. God's always with us. He's always there. And today we're going to talk about the comeback story in Scripture that I love the most. It is probably the one I resonate with the most. It's Peter's comeback story. And it's just this idea that setbacks are a part of every comeback. Like everybody experiences setbacks in our life. I don't care who you are. Every single one of us has gone through a setback that has caused us to maybe feel like we missed our shot, missed our chance. Maybe even we missed God's calling on our life. It's part of our life, it's part of our history. Look back, interesting story. 1961, JFK is the president. There's a lot of tension going on in the world, especially between the US and the former Soviet Union. And JFK stands up before a joint session of Congress and he casts this vision that the US was gonna be first in space exploration. There's a lot that went along with that and a lot of plans, but, but when the country needed a rally cry, JFK steps up and he basically says this. He says, we're going to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. And everybody's like, what? Man, we've seen movies that have talked about that, all that kind of thing. But to actually do it, it was a grand vision. It was a 
catalytic vision that brought people together. And it was also one that seemed a little bit like it was impossible. It also had a lot of setbacks. If you go two years later, JFK in 1963 was assassinated. Setback number one. You go a few years later than that, 1967, there's three astronauts that are sitting in a lunar module on a, on a test flight, and it explodes into flames, doesn't even make it off the ground, and all three of them die. Major setback. U.S. is in a race to space, and what happens? Three men die before they even make it off the ground. And we know how the story ends, right? We know how the story ends where it's, it's one small step for man is one giant leap for mankind. We know that story. But in the moment, how did people react? In the moment, the whole nation looked around and was like, man, the vision's done. The president's gone. NASA's still working, but we can't even make it off the ground. The Russians are going to beat us. We ought to just pack this thing up and be done because we missed our shot. I bet there's a few of you out there in life right now that you feel like, man, for whatever reason, you missed your shot. And it looks different for all of us. Every single one of us has had setbacks, and it may be that you lost your job, you're fired for your job, you burn out and you quit. It may be that you started a business, and maybe this virus has put that business in jeopardy, and you don't know. Maybe you started a business before this, and you lost it because of some bad decisions. Maybe it was like emotional stress. Maybe the difficulty of life caused you to pick up a pain pill and a drink, and you thought it was a good idea at the time, but now you can't make it through life without them. Maybe you were unfaithful. Maybe your kids are out of the house and you're saying, man, I, I've lost my influence with them. I missed so many opportunities. And you feel like you've missed your shot. Some of you may be saying, you know what, I, I've had some setbacks in my life, but my setbacks are because of some other people. Unattended father, parents who divorced, you lost somebody, or maybe it was somebody betrayed you, and you're saying, I missed my shot because of that person. Man, whatever it is, there are some of you out there right now that need to realize that setbacks, man, they're just the precursor to a comeback. Like every single person in life experiences setbacks, but the problem is, the question is, is like, how do we actually respond to them? And a lot of us feel like, man, because of my setbacks, I missed my shot or I even missed my shot to be blessed by God. He's benched me, I'm done, and I have no idea if he's going to put me back in the game. John 21, as I said, is my favorite comeback story. It's one we're all familiar with. It's Peter's story. And Peter is, we're probably familiar with him because he's the most popular disciple. I mean, he's the one who is probably the most important in the story, most recognized and talked about in the story. And Peter had some highlight moments, right? I mean, he walked on water. He also had some setback moments, like almost drowning after walking on water. But Peter's ultimate setback was standing in a courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest's house. Jesus is on trial, and he denies Jesus three times. Three times, very publicly. Everybody knew about the story, and it put Peter in a spiral where Peter's looking at this and saying, man, I am done. God, not just I'm done. God's done with me. There is no way that Jesus is going to invite me back into the story. And so what does Peter do? Peter does the only thing he can think to do is to go back to fishing. So John chapter 21, we catch the story, and I'll just give you the first 15 verses in a couple minutes. He Peter sitting around with the other disciples and Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to him a couple times, but he hasn't reinstated Peter as the leader. So Peter doesn't know what to do. He's always been the leader. So he's sitting there and he says, guys, I don't know what else to do. So let's go fishing. 
So he takes them and they go back to the beach. They jump in a boat. They go out. They fish all night. They catch nothing. Next morning, they're coming back to the beach. And all of a sudden, they see a figure on the beach. And it's Jesus. They have no idea. It's too far for them to be able to tell. And he yells out in a loud voice across the water. And he says, have you caught any fish? And what we don't catch in the English language, the New Testament is written in Greek. The actual translation is this. How's that working for you? I love that. Like Jesus called Peter and he said, Peter, no more fishing for fish, man. You're going to fish for men and you're going to follow me now. And so I want you to be the leader of this band after I'm done. And Peter has abandoned that very understandably, huge mistake. But he goes back to fishing and God makes a point, Peter, you're not going to catch fish. I want you catching men. I think it's a great question for us. A lot of us in our setbacks, we go back to unhealthy patterns in our life. Depression, discouragement, unhealthy relationships, unhealthy habits. And what do you go back to? And when you do, Jesus asks a question, how's it working for you? How's it working for your family? How's it working for you? How's it working for your business? How's it working for people around you? How is it working for you? And then Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, just chuck the nets on the other side of the boat. Like 20 feet's gonna make a difference. And it did. Jesus knew it would. He knew where exactly what Peter needed right there. And he caught 153 keepers. And they realize it's Jesus. They come back into the, into the beach. And it's a beautiful story, man. It's this beautiful picture that Peter has denied Jesus three times. And Jesus has not dealt with him in front of anyone else yet. He pulls into the beach and Jesus could have made a sarcastic comment about fishing Jesus being a better fisherman at the time. He could have made a comment about Peter's denial. What did he do? He fed him breakfast. Peter was tired and he was hungry. And what did Jesus do? He had breakfast waiting for him and his friends. And I think there's a lot of us. I've felt it before in the midst of my setbacks, man. I project on Jesus how he would respond to my difficulty, to my sin, to my failures. I project other people's responses onto Jesus. And I think we just need to remember that Jesus knows exactly what we need. And he invites us to sit down and he wants to give to us. But some of us, we, we hold back and we avoid because we're afraid of how he's going to respond. Jesus feeds Peter and the guys breakfast. And then this beautiful passage happens, starting in verse 15, shows us exactly how Jesus responds, how God responds to our setbacks. You can imagine a little bit of pause in breakfast and they're done laughing and talking and catching up and talking about all the fish that they just caught and measuring them and all that stuff. They get done with that and there's this long pause and all of a sudden Jesus dives in, addresses some unfinished business with Peter. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He said, do you love me? And Jesus said, Or he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I tell you, I 
I think I need this story, you need this story just about more than any other story in Scripture. I mean, it is the moment, when you think about your setbacks, because as we said, every single one of us have setbacks in our life. Some of them seem smaller, some of them seem bigger, but they're devastating to us. And in those moments, we might ask the question, how do we respond to our setbacks? But the bigger question is this, then how does Jesus respond to the setbacks in our life? How does God look at us? How does, how does he respond to us? How does he redeem us? And this passage just talks about three things. It talks about a question that Jesus asks, a response that Peter gives, and then a command that Jesus gives to Peter. So here's the question. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't think Peter knew what was going on, but Jesus asked him three times. He starts off with the question. He says, Peter, do you love me? And then he says again, do you love me? And in the moment, Peter's like, yes, I love you. But everyone around the fire, not just Peter, but the other disciples, when Jesus says the third time, Peter, do you love me? I think John spit out his coffee. The other apostles are like, oh, ouch. And Peter was cut to the heart. I mean, John says it in his eyewitness recollection. He says, he says Peter was cut to the heart when Jesus said it the third time because Peter knew exactly what he was doing. He was going back to the three denials. Even says in Luke chapter 20, 24, it says that Jesus and Peter locked eyes across the courtyard. Jesus had met with Peter to deal with his sin. 1 Corinthians 15 says it. Luke chapter 24 actually says it, that Jesus met with him personally after the resurrection and he redeemed him, he forgave him, but he not dealt with this publicly. And you might say, man, that's harsh. Why would Jesus ask those three questions right in front of people? Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, a man's repentance should always be as notorious as his sin. Jesus knew that Peter needed something, but the other disciples needed something. And so he asked the question, Jesus, Peter, do you love me more than these? And what do you mean by that? First question, do you love me more than these? Did he mean, Peter, do you love me more than these guys that you went back to fishing with? I mean, I know you're best friends. I know you, you know, had a business together before with John and James. And do you love me more than you love these men? I don't think that's what Jesus was asking. Because every one of those men, they showed supreme love for Jesus. Even when they didn't follow him completely, they were all in with Jesus. That's not the question. So was the question, Peter, do you love me more than these nets and these fish and this boat? It's a good question. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying because I don't think Peter actually wanted, there's no evidence that Peter wanted to go back to fishing permanently. I think he felt like his setback gave him no other choice. What else do I do? So I go back to what I know and he went back to the thing that he did before he was with Jesus. There's no other option. But I think what is interesting about that question I don't think that's what Jesus was asking, but I think it is a good question for us to ask. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these nets? Do you love me more than that 153 fish that's gonna get you a pretty good price at the market? Do you love me more than what all this business gives to you? Sean, do you love me more than your home? Sean, do you love me more than your job? Sean, do you love me more than your reputation? Sean, do you love me more than your paycheck? Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than, than your wife? Do you love me more than all the things that compete with me? I think right here in the moment, 
It's a big question for us. In a moment where we've been confined to our homes and there's a lot of you that are just kind of being pushed back to Jesus right now. You're being pushed back to faith. And if you were to step back and say beforehand how important Jesus was in the midst of everything else, there's so much distraction, there's so much effort and energy that goes to all those other things that it sidetracks us away from Jesus and brings us back to other things in our life. And Jesus simply asks you and me, he says, hey, if you want to come back, you've got to ask the question, do you love me more than these things? Because those things, when we focus on them too much, are usually the reasons for our setbacks. I think what Jesus was actually asking in the question, it had more to do with Peter It had more to do with the things that Peter had said or pridefully said to Jesus. Jesus was asking the question, Peter, do you love me more, just like you said you do, than these men love me? You see, there's numerous times in Scripture where Peter compares his devotion or his action or his strength or his reliability to the other disciples, and he raises his level above theirs. He says, Jesus, when all others fall away on account of you, I will not. Jesus talks about his own death. He says, man, everybody else may flee, but I will die with you. (laughs) I think Jesus was looking at Peter and he was saying, no, Peter, you gotta understand that in this moment, you gotta come to the end of yourself. You see, I think Jesus was addressing Peter's pride. In this question, he was addressing Peter's pride because Peter was just like me. He always wanted to be recognized for being right there, to be able to be counted on, to be able to be worthy, to be able to be one of the best, to be able to. And Jesus was saying to Peter and to every one of us, he was saying, when you fail me, you just need to remember. Remember that I will not fail you. Peter, do you love me more than these? You claimed you do. No. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to have setbacks. But you need to understand, Peter, when I look at your setbacks, I know they're coming. I know they're going to happen. And what I see is your setback is simply a setup for an incredible comeback that's reliant on me. Peter, just follow me because you can count on me. And I think for each and every one of us right now, I think you need to hear it. I think I need to hear it. In the midst of our setbacks, some of you in the midst of quarantine, you've had some setbacks. Relationally, you haven't responded to people well. Temptation-wise, you haven't responded to Jesus well. And you need to understand the moments Jesus says, while you fail me, I'm not gonna fail you. My promises are true, my forgiveness is real, and I will be with you. See, Peter gives a question, Jesus gives a question that brings Peter to his knees to rely on Jesus, and then Jesus shifts, and you see the next part is Peter's response. It's pretty incredible. In the response with Peter, after the herd of these three things, right in the middle of these questions, there's much that's been made about the two different words for love that's used in the questions and in in Peter's response. There's the word agape that we know is the God-like kind of love, and the action verb for that is agapeo, and it simply means, it is, it is, do you love me unreservedly? It's a, it's a sacrificial, the highest kind of love. So Jesus, when he asked the question two times, the first two times, he asked the question and he says, Peter, do you agapeo me? Do you love me unreservedly? Peter responds back with not the word agape. He responds back, responds back with the word phileo. It's a different kind of word. It's The idea for love, but it is a friendship love. It's a lesser love. It's a kinship idea. It's the idea of I like you a lot. So if you actually go through the conversation and you just 
just translated into English, it almost looks like this. It's Jesus just looks at Peter in the moment of silence. He says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you, do you love me unreservedly? And Peter responds and says, Jesus, you, you know I phileo you. I, I like you a lot. Jesus, taken back by the answer, he, he says, no, no, Peter, do, do you love me unreservedly? Peter says, Jesus, you know I, I like you a lot. I really like you. And then you go down to that third time, and Jesus changes it, and he says, okay, Peter, do you actually even like me? And Peter responds, and he says, Jesus, no, I, you know I like you. I really, really like you. If you take that translation of it, you're either wondering, okay, is, is Peter incredibly insensitive? Does he actually love Jesus? Or is there something else going on here? Commentators talk through this, and, and they say simply that those words can be uh, interchangeable throughout the New Testament. So don't put a lot of stock in that, but what's actually happening in this moment is it's, it's an interesting play where Jesus says, Peter, do you love me unreservedly? And you get down, I think what happens is at the very end, Peter responds, yes, with phileo. He doesn't say, I love you unreservedly. I think Peter's simply acknowledging where he is. He said, I denied you three times. You're acknowledging that. This is incredibly difficult, and I don't even know if I'm worthy to say that I love you unreservedly. Great question for us to look at. You know, if you just take the idea of do you love me unreservedly, or do you really like me a lot? <laughs> I think a lot of Christians that people who feel like they're faithful, they feel like they love God, they encounter setbacks and they wonder why. And a lot of times it's because of our own decisions, a lot of times it's because of circumstances that we couldn't tr- control, but it's out of reaction to those, just like Peter, three people come to him in the middle of a courtyard in the heat of the moment, they ask him, do you know Jesus, what does he do? He responds, no, I don't know the man. In the heat of the moment, he was worried more about perception than he was about loyalty. Didn't mean to, but he did. I think in the moments for us, there's a great question for us to ask in our Western, convenient, consumeristic Christianity is do we like Jesus a lot or do we love him unreservedly? And I think this is the moment for you to ask that. Because being confined to our homes, I've had more calls, I've had more people saying, man, I need Jesus, I need to connect with Jesus, because all that distraction is gone, and we're realizing that there is something lacking in our faith, that in the past we've said, yeah, I like him a lot, but it has done nothing to change the actions and attitudes and loyalty we have to him. And what Jesus is simply calling us to is the idea of not, I like you a lot, But Jesus, I love you unreservedly unreservedly, and no matter what life brings at me, no matter what other temptations pull me, I will give my best. And Jesus responds to us and he looks at us and he says, you're still gonna mess up, but all I wanna know is that I've got your heart. Is that you said yes to me. And it comes down to a command. And the command is interesting. If you go through the passage and Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, you know I love you. And every single time after the question, Jesus gives a picture for us of how he responds to our setbacks. You see, for most of you, you sit there and you say, I've just messed up one too many times. You don't get it. 
Like, Sean, I, I don't know if, if, if God could accept me back, if he would take me in, if he put me back in the game, if he's got anything for me because I've just messed up and I'm a little bit too broken. Man, if you look at Peter's story, there is none of you that have messed up and had a bigger setback than standing there in the moment of Jesus' need and denying Peter three times. And in the moment where Jesus sits there and it cuts Peter to the heart and he asks those questions three times, do you get in the middle of that, every single time, there's three affirmations that Peter gets from Jesus. The command is simply this. He says, Peter, follow me. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, take care of my sheep. If you step back into scripture and understand what Jesus was doing there, it is amazing. You want to talk about affirmation. If you go to John chapter 10, what did Jesus call himself? He said he was the good what? The good shepherd. And in this moment in front of other disciples sitting around, Jesus had already dealt with Peter's sin when he met with him after the resurrection. But in this moment, he is telling everyone else, here's how I deal with setbacks. Here's how I'm going to deal with Peter's setback. I'm going to put him in charge of this whole thing. Peter feed my sheep. I've been the good shepherd. Now it's your turn. I'm going away. And Peter, you're going to be in charge of my church. You're going to be in charge of these men. Peter, you are going to be in charge. And what if God looks at your setback and says, hey, I know it's bad. I know it's difficult. I know you feel guilt because of it. But what if your setback is just a set up for the comeback story that I have for you? If there wasn't John chapter 21, it would be really hard to go through the Gospels and then land on Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Peter's the leader of all of it. He's the one that is selecting the disciple that's going to replace Judas. He's the one who stands up and gives the great sermon that that spreads the Gospel in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem in front of people at, at Pentecost. He's the one who leads through the first how many chapters until Paul gets on the scene and then they lead together. I mean, the whole rest of the story hinges on Peter's leadership. And when you sit there and you say, man, Sean, I'm too broken. I'm too broken. God doesn't have a comeback story to me. Man, look at Peter. Because what you learn from Peter is that God does his best work in brokenness. God looks at your brokenness and he says, in your brokenness, people see my strength. In your brokenness, you learn things that I want to teach others through you. Your brokenness is just a testimony to my greatness. Some of you right now, you just need to remember that Jesus said to Peter, the last thing he said to him was feed my sheep. He gave him a title, he gave him a picture, and he handed over a responsibility, a God-sized responsibility and said, Peter, I'm with you in this. Man, I resonate with this, just, just like you do. If you said I'm too broken, man, I, I tell you this, I, I look at my story and there is no other story in scripture that I resonate with more. It's a comeback story that I love because I think I'm just like Peter. There's so many times, man, I wanna be the best. There's so many times I wanna be recognized for things. So many times I wanna say, God, you can depend on me. I'm not gonna mess up like that anymore. I'm gonna get this done. And you go back through my story and there's multiple times where I wanted to be, top of the class, right there, but I thought I missed my shot. Was I top of the class? No. (laughs) Was I top of the class? No. I was not a great student. Was I a great athlete? No, I was an average athlete at best. 
Did I make some decisions in my early ministry where I gave up on and said no to two different opportunities would have been incredible opportunities for me and I said no because of fear? Yes. Did I almost miss out on marrying the woman of my dreams, my wife Jen, who I've been married to for 22 years now, but did I almost miss out on marrying her because I almost walked down the aisle, became, became 36 hours from walking down the aisle with somebody else? Yeah, that happened. That's, that's, that's a story. <laughs> Did I think I missed my shot there? Yes, I did. Do I look back at ministry and life and do I look at marriage after getting married to Jen and being married for however many years and her looking at me and saying, I'm not doing another how many years of this? We gotta change something. And did we go through a year of marriage counseling to try to figure out how to get this right and, right and how to function in relationships and ministry and everything else together? Did that happen? Yeah. And did I think multiple times throughout life that I thought I missed my shot? And did God write a comeback story where I married the girl of my dreams? Where I have an incredible opportunity, even in the setbacks of my life, to serve and lead a place like this? Do I have four kids that I look at? And in the moments where I have setbacks as a dad, I say, man, God, you've given me these kids. And do I have an opportunity to be standing here and sharing my setback story with you today? Yes. And here's what I've learned. That just like, like Peter, my setbacks are just setups and stories that help other people with their setbacks to see that God is the God of the comeback and he has a story for every single one of us. And you go all the way back to 1967. On that launch pad, explodes in that fire two years later, 18 months later. 18 months later, JFK's vision came true. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong Almost missed. There's all kinds of things that actually went wrong in, in that last lunar um, uh, picture as they, they flew to the moon. They almost missed the, they missed the landing point. They calculated things wrong. The, the computers went haywire. Uh, they, they had to, to land that thing by the seat of their pants, but they did it. And everybody else in the U.S. thought, man, it worked. Everything was great and people cheered. It was this incredible comeback story of all these setbacks that ended up being a comeback. And I think every single one of us, that's the opportunity that we have. There are going to be setbacks along the way. But what you and I need to do is embrace the brokenness in the setbacks and believe in Jesus that there is a comeback. With Peter's story, the interesting thing is, is that the last thing that Jesus said to him was, Peter, follow me. He asks them the three questions. Peter gives the three responses. He takes a walk with Peter and John. And Peter questions, am I going to be able to do this? And what's John's story going to be? And Jesus is like, don't compare John's story to your story. I'm putting you in charge. It's going to be difficult. There will be more setbacks. But Peter, what you do is you simply follow me. And in that moment, here's what it was. In that moment, it was a picture of Peter going all the way back in his mind to sitting in a boat and Jesus saying, hey, Peter, put that boat out. I'm going to teach. And he teaches and all these people come to him and say, we want what you have. And Peter looks at G Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, we're starting out right now. You're going to be one of my disciples and I want you to follow me. First thing Jesus said to Peter, last thing Jesus said to Peter was follow me. What it was for Peter was a do-over. And I think what every single one of us need to understand is that God is not just the God of the comeback, he is the God of the do-over, and you may need one right now. And all you simply have to do is push that button and say, Jesus, I want you. 
Then get on your knees and be able to pray and say, Jesus, I place my faith in you. I wanna receive you as my savior. And then you push that button and you say, I wanna get baptized. I want to receive. Have your death, burial, and resurrection be applied to me so that I have new life through my faith. Every single one of us has a setback that God wants to use as a comeback to change your story. And all he says is it's as simple as following me. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and I, I just feel for people out there that are in the middle of the setback right now. Whether it be relationally, whatever the difficulty is in their life, Father, I, I know what the feeling is to feel like you failed, to feel like, Father, you, you may have given up on us just like other people have given up on us. Remind us today that you never give up on us. And our biggest setback, our sin, is what you came for in the first place. And you became our savior. You took our sin and you died for us. And if you can overcome that setback, you can overcome any setback in our life. And so, Father, I just pray simply today that we will step into you. That we'll open up our lives to you. And we will say, Father, I, Jesus, I, I love you unreservedly. I will fail. But thank you for not failing Father, we thank you for your grace during this time and I pray for encouragement, I pray for strength, I pray for those who are dealing with anxiety, I pray that those that are dealing with health issues or family members that are dealing with health issues due to the virus or whatever, Father, we pray for healing and we pray for strength both physically, both emotionally and most of all spiritually. And Jesus, thank you for being there in these moments of our setbacks and giving us a comeback story. It's in your precious name that we pray.